Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Welcome back. This is an impromptu on the fly episode with my beautiful friend Libby. And we just did a little run. Uh, actually, yeah, little for you, not so much for me, but you're doing an Iron Man slash Iron Woman event and you wanted a little run train partner. So we did a run and then we had some really interesting conversation whilst running. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to miss out this opportunity. And so I asked you to do a podcast. So hi. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Don't be scared. Um, well, I've never done potty. Well, really, you just ignore the little device on the table. Mm-hmm. We're at home. The cat might make a bit of noise. We just banana. kick back, relax. Happy days. Um, we just have a chat because you are, you remind me so much of my younger self. So you, how old are you? 22? I just turned 22. 22. Mm-hmm. I am 34, I think. Hi. 33. I know I look younger, Liv. You don't have to say it. So you're my age. No, you shut up. No, I was like very, I never know how old you are. Well, I didn't know how old you are because you are a very old soul. But you just, your determination, your drive, Mm -hmm. your approach to life kind of reminds me of how I was at your age. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really great to chat about that because I've never known someone so determined. And we were talking about on the run about Mm -hmm. striking balance and making sure it's not tipping into unhealthy obsessional yeah. behaviour, but also how do you strike the balance between, I think this is the main paradox of life, is being content and happy with where you are versus making sure that you want to better yourself, strive and achieve goals and finding the middle ground. Mm-hmm. So first of all, could you introduce yourself and just in a nutshell, what does the day in the life of Libby look like? Or what are you all trying to um, balance at the moment? Because your life is crazy, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I've kind of, since I was young, I've always done a lot. But in the last two, three years, I've been juggling a full-time law degree, which has been like, hectic yeah and either training full-time lacrosse or this year I obviously did a huge flip and did something a bit crazy and wanted to do this iron woman slash man thing I love that you call it woman I just don't want it to be an iron person let's call an iron person iron person it's like when people like spot the feminist in the room they're like do you do male push-ups or female push-ups I'm always like it's a push-up or a modified push-up yeah very upset yeah yeah that's one thing but yeah, and then obviously juggling then a relationship, friendships, And family. you have a little, well not a little, but you have a job working yes, in yeah, a job. law firm as well. Yeah. So Which essentially been... you're living four lives in one. Yeah. And uh, when do you sleep? When do you eat? When do you take a shit? Like when do you have time for anything? <laughs> I know, it's, I don't... I don't when do you even have time for this? So we are eight o'clock now. I've just grabbed you. I've given you a chocolate marshmallow, Santa Claus, and a banana. And I've basically said I'm not letting you out of the house until we do an episode. But yeah, you're just so, so busy. And where do you think? I listened to a podcast, um, The Diary of a CEO by mm-hmm. Stephen Bartlett, who his podcast is listened by millions. So go and check that out if you if you like my kind of vibe, because he's doing it on an almost professional level. It's I've insane. Seen that. So good. But he always asks people to start with, why do you think you are the way you are? Or how has your childhood informed yeah. where you are as an adult? So take it back to when you were younger and what did life look like? As a young kid, I like very early on, I think my parents picked up that I'm quite like an intrinsic motivator. Like, I never needed mum and dad to be like, go do this. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if you do this, you get a medal or a treat. I'd actually just liked the feeling of going for a run, achieving goals. I've always been a very goal-oriented kid. Mm-hmm. And I think watching my siblings is what really put, like... So who have you got as your siblings? got my sister, Carlin. She's in the middle child. And I got my brother, Miles. He's about 28, mm-hmm. 29. And Jesus, they've been hard. 
podcasts to follow. Yeah, like yeah. very like my brother is probably more similar to me. Um, he's like just a freak, like yeah, almost a professional boxer. Um, has done so well in school, so well in uni. Um, has like a crazy career. What does and he do? He's in finance and commerce, oh, okay. so he works at a big company, and like he's living in London now. Is he? Yeah. Oh, wow. He's, like, crazy. Um, one of those annoying people. In fact, you're an annoying family that are just lovely, talented, hardworking. Just, yes. Yeah. You come yeah. from good stock, Liv. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah. It's fun. Then also, like, Carlin, like, she's crazy too. Like, crazy smart, physio. Yeah. Good, just such a natural athlete. And then, yeah, I guess my mum and dad as well. My dad was such a hard worker and my mum is the most giving person. Yeah, the loveliest like he, oh, woman on the planet. Crazy. We love her. We love her. No, like, yeah. just always puts others before herself and same as my dad. So I guess, like, I was very lucky that I was the youngest and had those examples. Yeah, which is interesting because I'm just thinking back to when I was at school and... I won't give names away because that's not very fair and I very much doubt this person's going to listen but <laughs> her sisters, she had two older sisters mm-hmm. who actually had a crush on both of them over the years. God, just gorgeous. But yeah, just super talented, super sporty, like really excelled in life and she went the other way yeah. and it was almost like she realised from an early age, whether consciously or not, she just kind of felt, I'll never ever be able to live up to them. Mm. I'll always be in their shadow. So it's almost like she didn't try at all. She just fell back on, I'm the youngest and I'm just going to be... Yeah, and there was a marked difference between... They were Mm. almost like not siblings or you'd think that they didn't have the same parents because they were so polar opposite, which, yeah. It can happen, yeah. Well, I guess as well, there's always the generic... I like to play the game of guessing if someone is an only child. yeah. Youngest, middle, eldest, because they have their characteristics. So only children tend to struggle with sharing, tend to struggle with a sense of entitlement, tend to be quite attention-seeking, quite attachment and anxious. But this is all because they've usually got all of the emotional needs they they want on Mm -hmm. their own. And when someone else, whether it's a partner or a friend or a colleague, comes into the picture, they feel threatened by that because life is given to them. And they are the sole focus of their mm-hmm. parents' love, usually. But also they can go to the flip side where they've been the only child and, like, like their parents aren't around as much. Yeah. And then, like, they've always been quite self-sufficient without True. a sibling. Yeah. But, yeah, there's definitely... But, but that sort of... You can just tell. You yeah. can usually tell. Um, often they have slightly less developmental emotional ability so Mm -hmm. I do a lot of lacrosse coaching and teaching in schools Mm. and I can pick the only child instantly because they are just a bit younger than all the other Mm -hmm. kids in maturity level emotional maturity um youngest usually has a good sense of self like Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest I can speak yeah and I think because the bossiest um, I don't know the boss yet, would we say? I think more just, you know that you can get what you want and you yeah. become quite manipulative and a bit, not good, I should be smiling saying this. My but, poor sister. Yeah, like, because you are the baby and usually mm. the parents know that you're the last and yeah. so they give you that little bit extra. Yeah. I don't know. You, I think young younger kids do have life a bit easier. <laughs> and also, like your siblings and like my sister's, you've been shown the way so yeah. you can learn from your siblings mistakes 100%. and be guided in a, in a kind of not a direct way but yeah that I think life is a bit easier because you can go oh mm-hmm. like I've never drank alcohol and it's in part because I have witnessed my sisters trying drinking at a very young age to fit yeah. in and to try and feel included and I was like oh no thanks. No, thanks yeah. I don't want to try that. I don't need to try that. I've seen the effects through my sisters. Mm. Um, middle kids often are attention seeking because they just feel like they don't get enough and they can feel quite hard done by. Everything's yes. melodramatic and a bit kind of the world's just catastrophe and uh, yeah, a bit OTT. Sometimes I think ah. about my sister. I'm like, oh, gosh, just chill out. Like it's not a big deal. Do, yeah. A bit dramatic. Sometimes. And this might be really generic. Are you talking about Carla? No, I'm talking no. about Emma. My sister. Love no, you, Love you. Love you. Is a, I reckon she's so mellow. And also, no, like, obviously, everyone has 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. What do I know? I'm just going off my own experience. And no, then I think elder people, the oldest, have this sense of responsibility yeah. on their shoulders yeah. where they almost have to act, up, but like a bridge between parents and yeah. children, and they they feel like, especially men, mm. eldest sons have to kind of take on the weight of the world, and they yeah. just seem to super protective. Yes, yeah. and have a, a struggle to say no, and yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So that sets that's, the scene. So you're the youngest spoiled yeah, brat in your family that yeah, gets I, everything. Still, <laughs> and there is another member of the family now, which is my dog, Tilly. Oh, true. Little Tilly. She's my favourite. <laughs> She's the best. But yeah, that's why I guess I've been doing what I'm doing because I have those examples. Yes. And then also, importantly, my lacrosse yep. people and community. I think as well, there is just... The fact of you are from mm. the family you're from, you've yeah, got the genetic lucky. makeup that you have. See, I don't. I actually don't think I like naturally. I've never viewed myself as a natural athlete or a natural academic. Yes. Well, this swings into mm. you being immensely hard on yourself mm-hmm. and struggling to yeah, see? love yourself and feel praise and self validation. This is a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. From an outsider. And from someone that has trained alongside you for the better part of a decade. Not really. Five oh, years. Uh, I, I came good, here ten years ago, yeah. but you only joined the club. Anywho. Yeah. Still state teams. You are, precisely, on a state team, you have to have some level of athletic ability. You're not yeah, just going to swanny on it into a no, state team. So no. I can tell you have down. You are. Um, you have the package. What is beautiful about you and what is admirable is that you are the transporter of that package you have everything you need but some people have all they need we're talking about this on the run Mm. in that it's really hard to accept when someone seemingly has the potential but just doesn't do anything with it and I was saying to you about how in my work and even in life that I will often get frustrated and I will try and constantly push people mm. because I can see their potential. I know that most humans are underperforming. Yeah. And for me, that's actually integral to why I do what I do is to try and help people to become better versions of themselves. Mm. But we were saying that some people just are cruisy. They I'm don't happy. care. They're, they're happy. happy. They're content. And I've spoken about this as a topic in the past that I struggle to understand, but I also envy people that can genuinely just mm. get up, maybe go to the park, walk their dog. Yeah. Then they go do their nine to five, then they come home, cook a dinner that they always have a chicken roast on a Sunday yeah. night or whatever it might be, and then watch their soaps on TV or watch their favourite programme, read a book, go to bed. It's like they're genuinely happy with that. Um, in some ways, jealous of that. Yes, envious, yeah. for sure. Yeah, because but, I'm not happy unless I'm doing like a hundred million things. But that's also yes. so self-destructive. Well, it can be. That's I think the crux of this conversation mm. is: Are you genuinely happy? Mm. And when I say that you remind me of my younger self, I know that I pushed myself to the point of yeah. punishment. Yeah, and I was constantly striving to feel a sense of pride, but the problem is, the main issue, I never stopped yeah. to actually acknowledge any sense of pride. So yeah. I have still struggle with it to this day. If someone gives me a compliment, yeah, my skin awkward. crawls. I'm yeah. like, ugh, I hate it. I take it as a patronising comment. Well, what did I find I really do you before? What did you do? I was like, <laughs> no, I don't view myself, like, view myself yes, that way. that's it. We're literally we the knock same ourselves down. Yeah, yes. we're like, no, I can't do it. And I think that's a coping strategy mm. as a way to then keep the narrative of we have to keep striving. Because I yeah. remember in hospital, the one of the psychs, the doctor came in and said, instead of aiming for 110%, because obviously he re- could recognise as an anorexic sufferer, aiming for 110% was beyond death. So yeah. aiming to starve myself to death as my 110% was going to be, obviously, very detrimental to my life. Yeah. So, But I had that approach with everything. So I had mm-hmm. that with studying. I had that with yeah. everything I did, I had to do at 110%. I mm-hmm. had to do it better than my best, which yeah. obviously, when you rationally think about it, is impossible. He yeah. would say, why don't you aim for 80%? Because it's mm-hmm. far less exhausting. It means you're actually going to achieve it. And it means that you can then 
feel good about achieving something, which means that you'll have the energy and enthusiasm to try another goal and another yeah. goal. And I, I can still distinctly remember turning around and saying, why would I not aim for 110%? Like, I just yeah. could not get it in my head that aiming for anything less than better than my best was an yeah. option. And I've spent 10 years trying to... Not, yeah. Long wind it back and aim yeah. for 80%. <clears throat> but the problem is, if I aim for 80 and I achieve it, which of course I will, because it's within my yeah. remit and yeah, within my goal, the... well, I can't take any pride from yeah, that. Yeah, and prize. I 100% mm. agree. So stopping and actually acknowledging mm-hmm. praise, I think is for, for, and this feels really uncomfortable to say, but I'm going to say it, for high achievers like us, which, ugh, I hate, I hate, I hate that. But we have achieved a lot and we are, yeah, and I, but to like own that comment or yeah. that statement feels icky, but we have to stop. Mm-hmm. and acknowledge praise so I'm going to do that I'm going to put you right on the spot right now and I'm going to get you to say three things that you can be proud of oh see no. I'm just like... <laughs> for those that can't see her arms are crossed and she's awkwardly like... laughing and she's like no um, I can think of so many for you if you can't think no I can but good. I'm also like so I obviously there's heaps of lacrosse ones yeah but also that is heavily clouded. Like, I'm proud of what I accomplished in, like, I don't know. Okay, so these are my three. Making an Australian team, obviously. Yeah. And not even that, just I think in every team and every single, I can say every single team I've been in, state, club or whatever, I always, just before, like, put 110% effort in. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm proud of that, but also there's a bit of connotation to that. I think owning a dog is another one. Can we, can we please not taint the three things that you're three. about to say you're proud of? I know. Just say it so, and own it. Everything I've done lacrosse. Great. Owning a dog. I don't know why. I think that's just... No, don't, I'm really proud See? It's hard. I'm um, going to do this too after you just to make myself... Yeah, I'm going And Owning a dog, fantastic. Because yeah. when you first got Tilly, I remember saying, oh, you great. The, mm-hmm. the family I assumed it was a family and you you made it very clear no no this is my dog yeah, and you made sure everyone knew it was your dog yeah. and I thought holy shit that's quite a big commitment yeah. for a 20 year old to take on it's easy because it's the best dog that she's amazing yeah, we love Tilly but yeah you it's a commitment and it's yeah. um, an investment and yeah. I yeah. take a lot of pride in being a dog mom yeah <laughs> um, and then my third one I think I have just really done everything I can in my like in my in my starting career. Yeah. It's not because I'm still at uni and I'm just at, I'm paralegal at the moment. Yeah. But like I'm very proud of what I've achieved so far and like being feeling like I'm making On steps. The, yes. Yeah. Fantastic. How often do you acknowledge those things? So if I if I hadn't asked you to say those three tonight, like how often are you taking time to actually think about all the things you've achieved that's my problem I like will I will do something great and I'll go oh that's cool and move on yeah that's why I asked the question because like always the running thread between all of my episodes is self-awareness yeah and the only way that we can see the pride and Mm -hmm. see the achievement and feel good and give ourselves love an mm-hmm. acknowledgement because we'll get onto social media, but so much of social media is validation mm-hmm. from other people, yeah. and we have to tell ourselves and believe it from ourselves all mm. the things we're trying to gain from other people. And the only way we can do that is to focus and think about all the positives because we are wired. Yeah. I suggest, um, and probably in different ways and different amounts, but I think we're we're wired to look at the negatives or look at the shortcomings or look at the flaws and try our best to fix those. It's a good quality to have. Can be. It can be. In in part, as long as there's a balance between, okay, so I know that my reverse sweep in cricket is not my strongest Mm. shot. However, I can always fall back on my cover drive. Yeah. I know that I get massively oversensitive to noise 
and mm-hmm. I can't handle too much stimulation. Mm-hmm. But I also know that I can be really content on my own and yeah. really happy. Yeah. And also very good social skills. So I think it's yeah, you have very good social the thought skills. the amount of thoughts we have a day, and I, I may have said this in a previous episode, is about eighty thousand thoughts, eighty thousand thoughts a day, roughly on average. of those thoughts are repeated. Yeah. So you're actually having the exact same thoughts that you had the day before. And 80% of all thoughts are negative. And that is purely as a survival mechanism. So on a cellular level, we need to look at risk. We need to walk through life and recognise things that are going to kill us. A saber-toothed tiger, a lightning strike, fire, Mm. when we've never seen it before. Like, the temperature dropping when we're living in our cave. Like, I'm talking about prehistoric times here. The problem is, we live in such a safe world Mm. that we aren't actually at risk from much other than people that are really mentally unwell Mm -hmm. or texting whilst driving or, you know. Yeah. we, We are still programmed to look for risk. Yeah. And we're still programmed to look at our faults, both in yeah. our external world but within ourselves. And we have to remind ourselves, because the world generally is a safer place, the, the programming to look at our risks is detrimental. We need to balance it with... that. Every time you have a negative thought, we have to counteract it with a positive, which mm. is near impossible to do because so many of our thoughts are happening subconsciously. Mm. But yeah, just, just taking time to, to acknowledge to all that you've done. We've nicely skipped over me needing to say the things I'm proud of. So let's move yes, on. Yes, can I please? No. <laughs> no, I want to know three things. Actually, I want to know four no. things. Because see, the problem is I can name three things straight off the bat for you. Okay. Um, I will you say don't... this with conviction. I'm proud that a year ago I quit yeah. my job at, in a completely different industry. Yeah. And I took the leap of faith into a full-time career as an mm-hmm. artist. And I have achieve that goal 100% I am proud that I actually we were just talking about food and you asked me if I have any anorexic behaviors or thoughts Mm. or relationship issues with food I'm really proud that I genuinely cannot remember what I ate yesterday I don't Mm. I don't think about what I put in my mouth I have what I want when I want when I'm hungry when I'm not hungry if it looks nice if it's tasty if I just eat whatever whenever I'm I'm so proud that I have that relationship with food Mm -hmm. because there was a time where honestly I was on death's door Mm -hmm. and I couldn't comprehend I was sharing with you that I I knew exactly the calorific content of a food object like an egg and I'd made equations of how much exercise, so let's say, and I'm just plucking this out of thin air, but 12 burpees equates to eating one egg. That's made up. But mm. back in the day, I would know that. I would know exactly how much exercise to burn off every single food item that I would consume. Now, the fact that I can't even remember what I ate yesterday, or even this morning, it's I'm good. so proud of that. I'm so, so proud of that. Well, as you said, you kind of, like, as more it sounds, killed that person. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm a completely different person than the person Mm -hmm. who is overcome with anorexia. And then the other proud thing... uh, I'm actually... I'm surprised by this one, but I'm proud that I'm kinder to myself. Yeah. And it's taken me a long time to be okay with doing less because Mm -hmm. there's, there's been many years where I felt like toning it down whether that's exercise or lowering my expectations I saw as a failure I saw as I was being lazy or I was being weak or I was being I was underachieving or yeah I wasn't fulfilling my potential but now hopefully when you get to my age you'll you'll have this as well this kindness where if I can't be bothered to go for a run or Mm. if I don't want to train I won't Mm. if I don't want to do a job I won't if I just don't want to go somewhere because I can't be asked. I won't. Like, mm. and I love that I listen to my. I have aware self awareness, mm. and I listen to what is best for me. And I'm gonna get to that. Yeah, and um, I it because you know it's really weird. And I was thinking the other day, you know, like how there's that difference between motivation and discipline. Mm. So like, a lot of people will ask me, "How do you get up and go to the pool or run?" 
Mm-hmm. And like how you know they're always premise that how are you motivated to do that? Yep. And I'm like, I'm not. Yep. You just do it. So this is Don't also realize. Stephen Bartlett talks about this. I've I've spoken about it in the same way, but with a different terminology. Mm. He says you're either being you're either being dragged mm-hmm. or you're driving the truck. So you're either behind it being dragged by a truck. So uh, you, it's not your choice. Mm-hmm. It's fear that's dragging you, or it's pain that's dragging you, mm-hmm. or you're being dragged, or you're a passenger in the truck and you don't want to be on the journey, or you're in the driving seat and you're making the shots and you're. And so, so much of what we do actually is usually we're being dragged. Even mm-hmm. as a kid, the school you go to, you rarely have a choice. The classes you have to sit in, you rarely have a choice. Having to swim in the inter-school yeah, tournament. Yeah. You just have to do it. So you're often dragged as a kid or you're the passenger in a journey you don't want to be. I see it as a bit simpler or maybe more complex, I don't know. You're either doing something out of fear or love. Mm-hmm. Every single action is either fear or love. And I have learned through the experiences I put myself through and the absolute trauma and pain and hell that I put myself through in my mm-hmm. 20s, my teens and 20s, I have learned to consciously do life from a place of love. So if I feel, for instance, if you said, Libby, do you want to do the Iron Woman, Iron Person event with me? <laughs> I might answer. <laughs> yeah, I would say, no, thank you very much, because mm. I don't want to put myself through the pain and the, and the trauma, because it would be quite traumatic, of training. Because um, I don't want to. I don't want to have to commit in that way. The old mm, me would would have said, "I will do it mm, because I don't want to be perceived as weak. I don't want to be perceived." Mm, I know, and this may come across as arrogant, or it might just be because I know my body. I know I could do an Iron Woman if I really yeah, wanted you, to. Yeah. But I don't want to do it because the best, most loving thing for me would be to say no thanks I'm going to enjoy my tennis enjoy my cricket do the odd run with Libby when she needs a companion jump on my skateboard when I want do a bit of surfing go Mm. do a cycle like that is that's loving me in my free time doing activity purely for the joy of it Mm -hmm. rather than doing it out of fear yeah of how I'll be perceived for not competing in an event so that's what I used to do. Yeah. Looking back with lacrosse, a lot of it was fear. Yeah. Yeah. Fear of how you'd be perceived, fear of how. And this yeah. is so true. Let's talk about drinking and partying because we were mm. talking about this on the run, and it's so yeah. true of younger people is that it's about wanting to fit in because that's yeah. another fundamental oh, crazy. innate yeah. kind of need for mm-hmm. humans is to feel part of a tribe. Mm-hmm. loneliness is a killer like it to be lonely is is awful for, mm. for one's health like we all have to belong yeah but people will do things to belong to the detriment of their Absolutely. physical health mental health emotional health let's take drinking for instance. and to the detriment of like actually the people that they want to be surrounded by but feel and, like they have to leave behind yeah to fit in. and to the detriment of their authentic selves so yeah. there's a few things going on in this statement firstly people don't know who they are so Mm. because we are so desperately trying to come in and connect sorry to other people and let's just take the your generic 18 year old an 18 year old is so desperate to belong Mm -hmm. that they don't give enough time to figure out what makes them tick or what makes them them and I'm mm-hmm. obviously speaking on a very generic term here I'm mm-hmm. thinking of all the 18 year olds that go off to uni and just get pissed and take yeah. drugs and blah, blah blah and I was really fortunate which sounds a bit messed up but I see it as a, as a really opportunity that because I was so ill because I was in hospital and because I I wasn't really exposed to any of that it gave me the opportunity to get to know what makes mm-hmm. me happy what makes me me, mm-hmm. what I want to put my time to, and what I'm prepared to sacrifice. And mm-hmm. one of them was I'm not prepared to sacrifice my physical health, no. my control, because I yes, still have yeah. an element of control through anorexia, but but also my 
my authentic self mm. to drink. So I've just mm. never drank. Like to me, drinking literally sacrificed, sabotaged all those things. Mm. That's that kind of my mum. I remember as a kid, like asking her in the car one day, she probably wouldn't remember. I was like, why don't you really drink, mum? And she was like, I hate the feeling of something having power over me and not having control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not even, not in a, that, like in a control sense of like food or this or that, just it taking over you and your mm-hmm. thoughts. Yeah. And that really stuck with me because I was just like, drinking looks like so much fun, you yeah. know, because people get silly and, yeah. but yeah, that always has stuck with me. Yeah. And it's true. I think the, there's a problem in that a lot of people go through life completely subconscious or unconscious. Mm. It's like they're asleep. Mm. So the whole point of my work, why I am an art therapist, why I do mm. what I do, why I go teach and coach and work with people, the whole mission is to empower people through their own self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Because until you know yourself and you know what makes you happy and you know what makes you feel alive and you know what makes you feel most yourself and most you, you're going to be living a lie and you're always mm-hmm. going to be like frantic. You're going to be searching yeah. and you'll search through gambling or you'll search through alcohol or you'll mm-hmm. search through bad relationships or you'll search through overworking. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I really feel like Unfortunately, so many people, they go through their teenagers and they're drinking and partying mm-hmm. in the world, so they're not giving opportunity and time to figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. And then they're quickly in the workforce and then they're working every hour yeah. available and then they're in a relationship and then they have kids and then it's like they get to 40, which is why there's this obviously term midlife crisis. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, Just like, I don't know who I am. Yeah. I've lived half my life and I have no idea who I am. Mm. And so I think it's being aware when you're in these situations because some people genuinely love a party. Like, yeah. love drinking, love hanging out with mates. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Awesome. Nothing. Yeah. If that's what you love, go for it. Yeah. But it's for those people that don't love it but do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And actually all they would love to do is go bird watching or all they'd love to do is go and do opera training or like a cooking class or just hanging out with their nonna or whatever. Like, yeah. it's... I, f- I really feel like that is a scary thing that is missing. Mm-hmm. And have you, for obviously you're 22, have you observed it with your own friends? Yeah, so as we were saying before, I've had a really weird start to, like, I guess adulthood because at 18 I had just made an Aussie team and I was, like, forced to stop drinking mm-hmm. and I was watching all my friends get drunk every weekend And it was like, oh, I'm missing out. Like, I'm missing out on these fun times. And to me, it was like these valuable times. And then when I came home from um, Canada and tournament was over, like, I went and drank. And I was like, I hate this. And I had, had like, as I was saying, I had a huge identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And it happened for, like, months. And I would try and drink... Liv, try and train. I'll just cut you off there. It happens your whole life. Life, yeah. I like, know. don't, don't. I'll probably have another. Don't 50. be wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm 34 and mm. I'm still figuring out who I am. Mm. And I think if you embrace that it's a long term lifetime yeah. journey, then you'll be all right. But I think the problem was I didn't know that I was having that. No, of course you yeah. didn't. Because you're young. Because I was like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. And I guess I was trying to do it all and. When I drank or I trained, I got sick. Mm-hmm. So I was saying, I kept getting um, sinus infections. And then, yeah, then I was saying, started having panic attacks. And I actually now, I'm 22, I've been through the 21st season. I've lost friends over it. Mm-hmm. Like, friends that I thought would be, like, lifelong. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, very upsetting. But at the end of the day, I just knew that that was, that was going to hold me back. I still drink. Yeah. But I very much, if I want to drink, I drink. That's the lesson that I learned actually only recently Mm. and was really painful and still hurts is that in life, people, certain people come Mm. into your life because they're meant to, because you're either meant to share an experience or learn Mm -hmm. from each other or grow together or 
yeah, I think I think every person has the opportunity to teach you something. At a season, a reason, or yes. a lifetime, whatever they say. Absolutely. Yeah. But what is the really challenging is accepting that you will outgrow people and mm-hmm. some people will outgrow you. Yeah. And like I was even on the run, we were talking about this and how imagining like a mountain. Yeah. If you try and carry someone with you up the mountain because mm-hmm. they can't take those steps for themselves, they're not ready or they yeah. can't see the way or they're just not wanting to take that same path you're going to detriment yourself you're going to slow yourself that you can't carry someone on a journey Mm. because I would try and do that because I was so desperate to hold on to that connection but the beautiful reality is as well when you fully let go of someone Mm -hmm. and let them take their path or let them just take a breather or let them Mm -hmm. sit on the side of the mountain for a while whilst you keep climbing it creates room for someone else to join you on the path. 100%. And it's that trust. And the more you do it, and I mean, obviously I've got 10 plus years on you, so mm. I've got the experience and the the trust now that if I let someone go, absolutely the person that comes in will be mm. the right person, but they will be able to walk alongside me better than the mm-hmm. person before. Before, And yeah. it, I can think of specifics where I've known someone like, hours and they've changed my life and then yeah. I've known people years but on in you know all occasions you just get to a point if you're really switched on enough to mm-hmm. go I think I think the reason for your you being in my life is is being fulfilled I think it's yeah it's done now and some people their reason will never be done you know they'll mm-hmm. always need to be there I've got a friend who's actually my old deputy headmaster which <laughs> Sounds bizarre, but I've always been a bit of an old soul, and I've always yeah, been, see, related I, to older people. He's, I think, he's in his sixties. I've never asked him his age, but he's my, one of my best friends, and mm-hmm. I just know that he'll always be there yeah. for me because he's so wise, and mm-hmm. I can talk to him about these deep, meaningful things. Because, like you, my brain never stops. And yeah, I overanalyze constantly, and many people's brains don't run a million miles no. an hour. Many people don't overthink. And no. my mum said to me recently, she's like, oh, sweetheart, why can't you just stop thinking so much? I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's like, that's so my dream in life. cat stop meowing. Like, it's yeah. just, we yeah. just. I, I, I very much agree. Uh, but I also think an important thing that, even though I'm, like in the last year with friends that I just, as I said, thought they'd be there forever. Keep the door open because Absolutely. I've always like I I'm if you need an upfront conversation, I will have it with you. I'm very much like if there's an issue, let's sort it out then and there. Yeah. But I always leave everything on good terms because yeah. there might be what I need. Yeah, don't burn bridges. I'm never like yeah. Yeah. But that's why also going back to being old soul, like like especially like the Wembley girls. Yeah. I just they're people that I'm like that's who I'd want in my life yep. for the next 20 years. I've always said, I've yeah. always called them my family. Yeah. But they're more, they're like my spiritual yeah. kind of tribe. Because yeah. we are such an odd bunch. This is our lacrosse team. Yeah. And we are, on paper, and if you bring us all together in a round so, of yeah. if we didn't have lacrosse as our glue, you'd be no. like, no freaking way. No. Like, Chandel said to me, I think last year, she's like, I don't think I know a hippie apart from you. I don't know you're not a hippie. What are you talking about? And she was like, you're such a hippie. I said, no, I'm not. I'm just connected to myself. And yeah, I'm that's connected not, to nature. That's not a hippie. Anyway, I was like, I, I didn't say anything. I think of LSD and like hippies in the 60s. I don't know. But we're all an odd odd bunch. But, but yeah. We're... I will say that like the thing that I think is the coolest about that team specifically and something that like I would always said like even to my mum that everyone off the field has their own life and they're extremely intelligent yes and like we have engineers we have lawyers we have artists we have physios we have like Chandel who's so big on mental health and our coaches are big on hair and big big on life (laughs) and like like Dennis is a doctor yeah but, yeah, that's something, like, those people, I just feel like they're the ones that get me up the mountain. You know what I've just thought is that the, the team represents the perfect amount of balance. Yeah. This balance that we've been striving for and we're mm. talking about in that all of those players have represented at state or higher, mm. state or national yeah. level. 
with bloody good team with a huge mm. amount of talent and skill but nice. we have fun yeah. we are nice we're not too serious we're not hard on ourselves we're not like you know you think of other teams at state level and there's so much stress and expectation yeah. and people are hard and it's cutthroat and it's yeah. bitchy and it's you know people mm. stepping over each other to try and yeah. then you've just made a point that we all have our lives outside of the yeah. sport and I think our approach is perfect. So if we can approach mm-hmm. life like, like we approach lacrosse, give yeah. your best, make sure you are friendly to everyone, have yeah. a laugh, joke about the stupidest things. Yeah, protect. Invite everyone in because yeah. just because someone doesn't necessarily, actually because someone doesn't see life the way you do and yeah. because someone has different interests, mm-hmm. that's more reason to invite them in and make room in, in your life because you're going to learn from them mm-hmm. you're going to get a different perspective my ex is um sri lankan and was it was so wonderful how much i learned about being a different culture yeah. or different effects of, of racism mm-hmm. and just a political correctness or how to treat people from different walks of life with mm-hmm. the same amount of love and respect I mean, it's just like it seems like so obvious now but it took me through being in that relationship to have my eyes open to all these things. So And realise. But also acknowledging that everyone is at different stages. Because mm-hmm. I think we said this, but we both get frustrated a little bit with... And it goes back to you see someone's potential and you want them to yeah. improve. But when I... I've never admitted this to anyone before tonight, but... I was in a really bad way when I first arrived in Australia. Mm. Like, it wasn't just, like, all my issues disappeared. And one of our teammates, she's president of the club, took mm. me in. And I didn't Which pay her so rent. Hard. And she just saw that I was struggling and that I was a lost soul. Mm. And I'm indebted to her still to this day. But she didn't go, ah, oh, she's not She's not actually where I need her to be. She's no. like, she's, she just saw a person in need. Mm. And open the door for me and let me in. And I think, like, going back to your friends, it's about saying, when you're ready, mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah. And something I've learned through work, especially as a PT, is that you can preach all you like mm-hmm. and try and convert people, but until someone is actively listening to what you're trying to say and ready to hear what you're going to say, it will fall on their face. Yeah. So just keep being authentic and keep yeah. putting the message out. Even this podcast... The only people that are going to hear it are those people that want to be listening to a 100%. self-help kind of motivational <laughs> podcast. Which so. you'd be surprised how many would listen to it, I guess. Well, okay. I do look at the numbers. It's not quite as many as I'd like, maybe, okay. but... That's okay. <laughs> I might That's do right. some, I don't know, advertising or something. Advertising. <laughs> don't use me because I don't have the platform. <laughs> No, that's all right. Don't social, Actually, no one... My social media presence is... Weirdly, everyone that I've asked to have a chat, because it is just a chat, Yeah. no one has shared an episode. I've shared. Ah, yeah. I'm proud. Okay, we've got that on record. I'm proud to... We've got that on record. This is stuff that I've only... Like, I could never have spoken about this mm. a year and a half ago. Yeah. You've yeah. come along such... Yeah. You've come on such a long, yeah. long way. Mm. I've, I've been really worried about you over the last few years because yeah. I see so much of my younger self in you and mm. I see the drive and it being driven from an unhealthy place, like yeah. a fear and a bit of a punishing kind of mm. self-loathing. I know where it came, prove yourself. came from though now. Like, I think when we first met or like in the sense like obviously our ties lacrosse, mm-hmm. I was, like, very quiet about what was going on, but, like, the things that were happening around me in that environment were, like, as a 16, 17, actually 14. We're still a baby. Yeah, I was 14 and being, like, bullied, essentially, by adults. So I didn't have a lot of trust in a lot of people at lacrosse. Yeah. So from that, because I didn't trust anyone, I always was like, okay, I need to make sure that I'm the fittest, I've got the best skill, and yes, I was so hard on myself. I remember even one time I shot a goal and you said something like, that was such a great goal, I think it was you, and I was like, but it didn't go in the corner I wanted it to go in. Yeah. I think it... There's a few times, Liv. Yeah, I... and you looked at me and you were like, 
Every what? few every few weeks or maybe every couple of months, I would just pop a little <sighs> yeah. comment in your head and you'd mull over it and you'd go, Oh shit. Oh wow, yeah, she's really she's yeah she's figured me out and I've I, I felt like I had to be your on the slide and yeah, you me are. Up, like your big you, sis. You and Beck Daniel. Yeah. Oh Beck, we love her. Yeah, she's the she best. Is probably one of my biggest role models in life. Yeah. Like, genuinely. Yeah. No, she's Yeah. Shout like, out to Beck family. Yeah. When the Phoenix legend. obviously ended, I was crushed. But I feel like moving to Wembley and meeting all you girls had to happen for me. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't actually be the person I am. I, I can completely yeah. second that. I wouldn't be the person yeah. I am without. Yeah. And everyone at Phoenix as well. And that is why it goes back to, it is so important to pick the right people to be around. 100%. And... Of course, in life, you're going to have to let people go. Of course, yeah. people aren't going to be right for you. They'll be right at sometimes and they're not. And then, you know, mm-hmm. come and go. But you've got to trust mm-hmm. that the right people will be in your life when, when they're meant to be. Mm-hmm. The right things will happen. The right opportunities will come along. But you have to be aware enough in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, very, it's all well and good saying be self-aware. But what does that look like? I guess it's recognizing if you feel like just a gut a gut feeling mm. or recognizing if you're really super happy or recognizing if you're really stressed or overworked mm. or if you get migraines or if you have Attacks. something else going on like a rash that comes up yeah right. sorry Liv. no but i like, don't know though what this one's from but it's your body because we were saying yeah. this as well like, yeah the body is amazing. Oh, my body will always tell me telling you. Yeah. The problem is people don't, they're so blind. I know. They're so that. on the treadmill of life that they don't even acknowledge when their body. Mm-hmm. So you might start getting heartburn a bit more. You might not sleep as well. You might get mm-hmm. a rash. You might get like dry throat. It's just, honestly, life is so much about self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And if you, so my first ever girlfriend, and this is quite extreme, but... She woke up the day after her sister died with a grey streak in her hair. And that's quite common. I, oh, actually, yeah. I don't know if it's common or unusual, but it, it does happen. So I've known three people through a major life event, a major shock. Their, their hair, cool. just a little strip at some point in their hair, just goes completely white. Never. And it's the body's way mm. of dealing with stress. And mm-hmm. so she always had this white strip in front of her head. How old was she? Uh, 20 something. How old were you? Oh, when sorry, when we dated, she was late 20s and I mm-hmm. was early 20s. Mm-hmm. But when, she, when it happened, she was, I think, just 20 herself. Wow. But yeah, we'll always now be forever grey. And it's a bit like when alopecia, when your hair mm-hmm. falls out or mm-hmm. it, the body is trying to tell you. Not. And to. we do our best to try and cover it up, whether mm-hmm. that's physically, like with makeup, or we just dye our hair, or we pretend that we've just come recovering from COVID, mm-hmm. that's why we've got a little cough, or, mm-hmm. you know, we are so, we're the masters of disguise. Mm-hmm. Instead, let's actually look at it and ask ourselves, why is it happening? I, yeah. Because... I'll do the exact opposite and I'll do more. Of course. Yeah. Of course, because we're it's enemies. easier to bury our heads in the sand mm-hmm. for a short term but mm-hmm. the long term reality is that all you've done is buried your head in the sand and you haven't resolved anything mm-hmm. so there's a reason why you have a rash Libby and you only had it when you were a kid that's the first thing you said to me yeah I, you kind of apologised for it which you shouldn't apologise for well, because you can't um, help it I leprosy today but also my my I mean this is quite deep but my first question to myself if I had that mm-hmm. rash would be why What's my body trying to tell me? Yeah, see, I think... My housemate also has a really painful, itchy skin condition. Mm. He actually asked me... um, He said last week he's going to move out because he's convinced it's the house. No. I know, it's because he doesn't have a job right now because he's just Mm. finished his placement and he was doing an amazing job with a different situation around COVID, which Mm. has come to an end, a government role. He's stressed. It's not really that... (laughs) to put pieces together he's stressed no but that's so when I was saying before I kept getting sinus infections Mm -hmm. that was for like eight months I was convinced I had like 
allergies, like extreme allergies. I went to like eight different doctors. I yeah. went to specialists. Yeah. And it was like one of my GP actually said, I'm not going to send you to a specialist. I'm going to send you to a psychologist. Yeah. And I was like, excuse me. I had me? the exact same with my like, thyroid. What? Yes. I've, I've had underactive thyroid since I was 15. Probably caused, uh, well, it was hereditary. My mum's got mm. it, but probably uh, fastened up. I don't know what the phrase I'm trying to say. Um, by anorexia. Yeah, just messing with my body. Say, yeah. But I went to see a specialist. Things got really, really bad. And I was passing out almost daily. Mm. And blah, blah, blah. And I waited months and I paid hundreds of dollars to see this thyroid specialist doctor. And he said, you need to see a psych. And yeah. I was so offended and so angry. I was, I was so like, are you offended. kidding me? I've got something wrong. Because I couldn't acknowledge that it was my mind. Yeah. And then, obviously, I look back. But, of course, it was, I need to yeah. see a psych. And it wasn't it was, anything to do with my thyroid. I didn't, I don't think I've gone back to that GP. Even though yeah. she was a... She was a blessing in disguise. Well, who knows this conversation might spur you on to, yeah. to maybe look at things a bit differently. Yeah, but I was I was so angry. Mm. Yeah. But. I think we need to just learn to trust in our gut feeling, our yeah. intuition. And what you were saying before, which is music to my ears, that you genuinely listen to when you're tired mm. now. Because no, you do train like no one else I know you train yeah. a lot and obviously you can validate the need for training with this event yeah. but there's a reason why you've chosen to do an iron person event mm. in the first place and that is so that you can train lots um, and push yourself and yeah, keep I mean, yourself on track and set goals and yeah it's a goal thing and also I think I just wanted to prove to myself that I can do other things I don't know on top of doing a full time law degree I'm working in a law firm and I think you may even slim (laughs) no but I just yeah it's a sense of purpose thing but um, I will say I actually had something really scary like I had COVID and then I pushed myself back and I actually ended up like passing out and since then I was like no you need to start like do not go back into your old habits yeah because that, yeah, that was a real moment. Because I was driving. Thank God the body did what it did. Yeah. We have to, often, yeah, a lot of the time people mm. get really angry when they get ill. Oh, I'm, when they get don't talk an injury. Yeah. When, and it's like, from an external perspective, mm. not always, but usually it's the body going, slow Stop. the fuck down. Yeah. Oh my God, give me a break. Mm. And people try and fight it and push it. And it's like, there's a reason, just yes. why there's a reason why someone might beat their wife up, or there's a reason why someone mm. is addicted to gambling, or there's a reason. There's a reason for someone it. drinks every weekend. Yes, there's night. a reason yeah. for people's behaviour, and instead of figuring out why they're doing what they're doing, mm. we just get fixated on the thing they're doing and we judge it. Yeah. So there's a reason why I starved myself and overexercised for the mm. better part of a decade. People were so fixated on trying to get me to put weight on and to stop exercising so much. Mm-hmm. No one, no one, until I decided myself, Good. asked the question, huh, I wonder why she's choosing to do this to herself. Mm. Which, to me, is so messed up. It's such a flawed yeah. approach. Like, all of my clients, when I was a PT, who struggle with overeating and under-exercising or just... the you know, body image and the morbidly obese or just uh, the bigger than they want to be, blah, blah, I would go in and say, okay, well, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm. And people hated it. But you cannot change your behaviour until you understand why you're doing it in the first place. Agreed. So that, I think, is the takeaway from today's conversation. Is <laughs> this is why I love hanging out with you, though, because you always bring me down, back down to earth. Yeah. What I need. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just, all I want is for people to love themselves. Yeah. Be a little bit more self-aware. Yeah. And to kinder. find ways to enjoy life because I have been at a point of absolute self-loathing. Mm. I've been at a point of punishing myself every single day mm. and not feeling joy for a decade. Mm. And so I never want anyone to feel that. That's why I do everything that I do. Mm. And I obviously come across as quite harsh and quite to the point and blunt and sometimes quite rude and very triggering. Like, I know exactly what 
I'm saying and I know people's pain points and I will often push them. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, why'd you? And then I'll go, oh, but she's asking you that question be- because she yeah. knows. And it's because I care. Yeah. Because fundamentally I want the best for everybody. Yeah. But people who aren't ready to hear it will get offended. A bit yeah. like you weren't ready to hear your doctor. No. And they will push me away just like yeah. you push your doctor away. Yeah. And I've learned to live with that. And I accept yeah. that by me trying to be blunt to the point and mm. helpful, if someone's not ready to hear it, they will push me away. So mm. you have to... Also, when you become authentic and you become aware of what you want to do, you have mm. to acknowledge that there's going to be a lot of loneliness. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of people that just can't jump on board with your ideas and your way of doing things. You've got to be self-content. But you'll get to the top of the mountain, Lib, and you'll look down and be like, actually, the view from up here is pretty amazing. But when does and the I'm... mountain stop? That's how the thing was saying. Yeah. Because... <laughs> well, when you can... And it swings all the way around mm. when you can take time mm. to acknowledge what you have achieved. So it's mm. a taking time to look at the view when you get to the top, not mm. just setting up your parachute and jumping off within mm. the first 10 minutes. It's setting up camp, maybe camping on the top of the mountain for a few weeks or a few days. Yeah. Or It's just, instead of, as soon as you finish your Ironman mm. person event, don't yes. then book the next thing. Yeah. Well, like look back through photos and mm. acknowledge what you've done and take time off mm. training and let your body recover and rest. You know, mm. it's, it's just... As much time as you spend pushing yourself and yeah, motivating yeah. and maybe sometimes berating yourself, mm. try and match that with mm. time of reflection, positive reflection. I have one last thing to add that actually was really interesting. Do you know that Ned Brockman? I do, yeah. So I listened to a podcast on him after he did the Bondi to... Um, the Bondi. Put, ran to Bondi. For, 40... I think marathons. Was, yeah, and he also did fifty marathons in fifty days before yeah. that. Anyway, someone actually asked him, "How is your mental health right in this moment?" So this is a month after doing yeah. the event. I actually cried at this like podcast. I was at work. Mm. I had tears streaming down my eyes because I was just doing something. Anyway, I was. He said, "When you achieve something big." And why people often move to the next thing is because they're so uncomfortable with the low of it Mm -hmm. because people will validate it for like a month. He was like, I got so much validation, so much publicity, but now I'm at the moment now where everyone's moving on and like I'm injured, like his body is beyond repair. It's wrecked. And he's like, last time I didn't deal with that well and I got injured, I went straight back into it. But now it's actually trying to balance your mental health. And no one talks about your mental health after, let's say, as someone's won a gold medal at the Olympics. Well, this is why I should go back and listen to my 11th episode with Emma Pass, ex-Olympian and basketball professional, because that's all we spoke about. Yeah. It's the trauma that is post, 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 post. post. Yeah. But that is, that's... That's the problem with yeah. aiming so high and achieving your goals. It's, is that it's actually a serious problem that I don't think enough people know about. Yeah, but I but half the population don't need to worry about mm-hmm. that problem because half mm. the population aren't pushing themselves that hard. Mm-hmm. The people that are could spend their whole lives pushing themselves and die miserably. Like I mentioned, my uncle, mm. sixty marathons in his sixtieth year. Insane. So that's over two. On some weekends, because mm. obviously only fifty two weeks in a year. Yeah. He will die miserable because he's never ever 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 learnt to be satisfied yeah. or happy or content or feel yeah. proud. He's always trying to validate his existence. We haven't spoken about um social media and the role that plays. We'll just briefly make the comment mm. that um because my battery's about to go on the, my little device. That's okay. But often people and this is obviously mm. obvious, people post to get external validation. Mm-hmm. And we're in a world now where you were saying you struggle with choice and FOMO and missing yeah, out and not knowing so which decision choice. to make and then yeah. thinking, oh, I could have done that, I could have done this instead. But I think it's being able to find validation in yourself. Mm-hmm. So... I still do it to this day, and I'm ashamed to admit, but I will absolutely post stuff 
just to feel a connection, a false yeah. sense of oh, someone's acknowledging me or looking mm-hmm. at me or seeing me. And I often will kind of think, oh, it's so embarrassing. Like, why am I posting that? And it's purely so that someone connects with me, mm-hmm. which is a bad, bad use of, of social media, but it's really mm-hmm. the whole reason why it's constructed. But it's about finding a way to look at yourself and go, that's pretty cool, Libby. I'm really proud of you. Or, yeah. Well done. Or, oh, that was fun. Full that's stop. Fun. You know? Yeah. And I actually don't now. I used to post loads about my fitness. Yeah. And I don't really post anything about fitness because I don't feel like I need anyone's nod of approval or validation. Yeah. I just do it. And I don't think you've told anyone about your Iron Woman event. No. Not that many people. Which is no. great because it shows that you're doing it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. for a healthy goal, to see what, what limits you can push to, rather yeah. than, look at me everyone, I'm doing an iron person event. I think I've posted one thing the whole time, and I think it was like after I'd done like a 16k run, mm. and I then I was, I, I always, I'm the opposite, so like... I always think what I do in my day, I don't think anyone, like, no one wants to know that I'm at the library for six hours or no one really cares about work or no one really cares that I'm out running. I always go to post something and I'm like, either I'm going to make that person on the other end feel like they should be at this event or this person should be out doing this ridiculous run. This is probably a whole other episode because there's so much we can talk about, but... I know my reason for posting is because a lot of my teens and 20s, mm. I had to live to then get a validation from yeah. the nurse or the doctor. You know, I was prescribed a way of life, prescribed mm-hmm. what to eat, prescribed how little exercise to do, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of had to report back. So for mm. me, it's kind of this weird repeating of reporting back mm. to people. It's like, I'm doing this. And then someone goes, oh, cool, that looks fun. Or, mm. oh, well done. Or oh, I'd like to go on holiday too. And mm. it kind of goes, oh, cool, I'm getting life right, tick. Yes. It's weird to need that as a 34-year-old, you know, accomplished woman, but I still need to be told in a weird roundabout way that... What you're doing is... What I'm doing yeah. is living life right because yeah. I don't know how to live life right for so many years. And now, Whereas, obviously, a lot of people don't need that, especially when they're in their 30s. So mm. it's a weird childlike kind of need for... Not validation for my self-worth, because I'm very... Mm-hmm. I'm, actually, I actually have a good self-worth. It's more of a validation of you're doing life right, whatever right looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're supposed to do life. I'm still working on that. Well, I can say, like, compared to probably my my age group is, like... Like, I, I there's such a lack of self-awareness. Mm. Like, people which I know... Which is normal. Which is why oh, there's so much work yeah. for me to do, because, thankfully... <laughs> not yeah. thankfully but you know I'm not going to be out of work for the rest yeah. of my life because most people don't have much self-awareness and I can't expect them to because most no. people don't have two years in a men- mental health institute yeah. where they all really they get have to, to do be raw and real and get yeah, to the room all I have to do is look at myself yeah. and become familiar with me yeah. and rebuild a version of myself that I didn't even know existed like mm. I've constructed very consciously a version of me so mm. I've had a beautiful opportunity to be this self-aware but mm. yeah a little more it's self-awareness a lot more self-love and just being as authentic mm. as you can well one last thing if everyone's on social media too and doing that kind of thing it's really hard then to like kind of strip back look at it and go like why why at a prees or wherever I am, why do we have to take a million photos? It's for social media and like yeah. why am I posting this? Like what do I feel like I, I genuinely every time I go to post something on Instagram because I don't post it a lot and a lot of people The reason it. why is because people get seen. Yes. And, and when you get seen you feel validated, validated and you feel like you have a point to your life. Mm. But like when you press post I always think, like, when I go to post posts a lot of times, I actually get anxiety, so I just don't post it. Yeah. But, like, I actually ask my friends, I'm like, what do you, like, when you're connection. pressing it, do you, are you happy? It's connection. Though? It's I a know. false connection. It's a very false. I know, but that's all they've got, mm. Liv, because, unfortunately, people, and this is a whole other episode, yeah. struggle to just have basic conversation. Like, yeah. we've had a lovely chat tonight. Mm-hmm. We've kept eye contact. Yeah. We're comfortable. It's not being anxiety. 
Some people can't even can't. look you in the eye whilst having a conversation. No. And that is the world we live in because social media and, and internet and mm-hmm. it's taken over. I agree. Let's let's reconvene and have that chat another day. Yes. Right, you're exhausted. I'm actually going to get up early too. Oh no, oh god. Okay, quick, go, 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 go. Thank you so much. I loved our conversation. I know. It's been good. And I can't wait for you to post it. I'll share it. Put it on all your socials. Share (laughs) everything. Thanks so much. Bye.